Welcome to Inside Aesthetics, the podcast for cosmetic, wellness, and business insider knowledge. I'm Dr. Jake Sloan, a cosmetic doctor based in Sydney, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend, David Segal, an entrepreneur and a multi-clinic owner in the aesthetic space. We'll cover any topic that makes you look or feel good with long form, unbiased, and unfiltered conversations with expert guests from around the world. New episodes are released every Friday and you can subscribe for free on your favorite podcast app, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You should seek medical advice before undergoing any treatment or procedure, and these podcasts do not replace a professional and bespoke consultation. I've got to tell you, Jake, I'm excited because we actually have a, a, real, real, a real live person in the studio today. It's, I, it's, I, yeah, it's, I can't remember the last time we did this, to be no. completely honest. Good morning, Dr. Martina Lavery. Good morning, guys. How are you? We are very well. How are you? I'm well. Thank, Thank you for having me. Thank oh, you. It's yeah. our pleasure, our real pleasure. And you came bearing gifts. Absolutely. We are just honoured. Well, you know, I'm hoping if I butter you up, you'll be nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> We're nice to everybody. We're nice to everybody. Thank you for trekking out to the eastern suburbs in rain at peak hour. Always a challenge. Always a challenge. It's After dropping off the kids there. to school as well, I'm it sure. It worked out really well, actually. I can't believe it. Oh, that's yeah. good. That's Excellent. Good. So we're here to talk about, well, our Injector Diaries series. And you're someone that's very vocal on our Instagram page. You follow what we do. We have lots of interactions in DMs and suggestions and conversations back and forth. So we thought, hey, let's get Martina on and get to know her in person and have a chat about her story. Well, say, I think it's the first time we've had a true fan come on as a guest. <laughs> yeah. Every other guest, we sort of have to hold a gun to their head and say, do you want to come on the podcast? <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so am I like a stalker? Is that what? No, that, no, no, like no. Not, not a nicer way of saying that? You are a friend. <laughs> yeah. You're a friend. I do believe so. And I really have followed you guys with such keen interest. I think you're amazing. Oh, thank you. I think the energy that the both of you have together, you know, the the charisma, the the humor, the banter, like it really comes out in your podcast. Oh, so it's no. a real, um, I've really enjoyed, particularly in lockdown, actually, Friday yeah. mornings, yeah. go for a walk, um, Inside Aesthetics podcast and coffee. And um, oh. yeah, that's what I did on my Friday morning. Well, so you- it was really good to listen to you. And I, I, I just think it's wonderful being here. So I hope I can add some value to your audience. I'm sure that's, you will. That's, that's really lovely feedback. Yeah. And oh, I really um, mean it. well, one day we're going to release the WhatsApp messages between Jake and I because <laughs> that's uh, that's a whole other story altogether. Yeah, so. I think some of them might best be left <laughs> yes. um, yeah. undisclosed, David. <laughs> be a good Netflix yes. show. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, some things shouldn't be shared. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So maybe to kick things off, we obviously know who you are. We're yes. very familiar with who you are and what you do. But just to, I guess, introduce yourself to the listeners. Do you want to give us a little bit of a, a background about who you are, what you do, what you're interested in, and what we're going to be talking about today, which is you and, and your story? Goodness. Um, so look, I am um, a dentist. Um, I've been a dentist for quite a long time, 23 years. Um, I did train in Queens in Belfast. I'm right. from Ireland. Um, I'm one of two children. My parents, you know, really valued education. They sacrificed a lot for me to get on this pathway. And I'm very, very grateful for that. So I went to a really, really small primary school. There were two classrooms, 30 people in my school. And I think, you know, uh, the value of education has really transformed my life. Yeah. So um, I actually started off um, doing medicine 
in Glasgow in the UK, in Scotland. And I really decided, look, I don't really want to tell people they're dying. I find it hard enough to tell people they're having a root canal. (laughs) So I thought probably not for me. And then I did a year as a nursing auxiliary in a palliative care cancer unit. Cool. That was easy, wasn't it? Yeah. And realized you've made the right choice. Yeah. So um, I, I really loved people. Yeah. And I loved science. And I think, and I'm quite artistic and I'm very neurotically, aesthetically driven, like in my home, in, you know, my appearance and design, my home, my house. So I think that the natural transition into aesthetics and dentistry was quite a good um, fit for me. Yeah. And you said you loved people as in past tense. Has that changed? Or do you still love people Um, and science? No, I... I (laughs) I do still love some people. Some people. Yeah. 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 You have to be selective, right? Yes, but no, I do. I enjoy communications yeah. with people. I really do. Yeah. The formation of relationships yeah. and, you know, um, having a, a light. Like, I mean, I nice treat the third generation of families. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's really special to me. Well, that says something about you and your practice, doesn't it? I mean, when people start referring their children and their children start referring their children, you're doing something right. Yeah. I think it's quite interesting because the children are always sent as a guinea pig. (laughs) So you will usually as a new patient, and this is not in the aesthetic world, this is more in the dental arena. Obviously, children are not having aesthetics, but, you know, the the child will be the guinea pig. Yeah. And then they'll go, oh, that was really nice. I'll, I'll book myself and my husband in. Mm-hmm. I so, can't yeah. imagine being a dentist who can't communicate. That must be, you know, you're right in someone's face. You're talking through something that's potentially long, painful. Yeah. A treatment plan might last over several years. Yes. You can't be, you know, some doctors can get away with it. If you're yeah. a surgeon, they're asleep and, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. But, I, you know, I, I can't imagine, you know, a dentist not having a good rapport with their patients. I think you'd be surprised. Really? I think dentistry probably has a high percentage of people on the spectrum. Wow. Really? There I would go. say so. You heard it here because, first. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, light bulb, mic drop. Um, uh, yeah. But I do, I think, um, because it, it's, I, I guess you go into that field because you get high marks. Yeah. And it's technical. Yeah. And I think that's the downfall of many practitioners is they mm. don't have good communication skills. Yeah. So I feel that I have really good communication skills and I like forming relationships but some dentists are very, very technical. Yeah. But what you notice, well, not you notice, dentists also have to be business-minded. Yeah. It, it, it's a bit of a, a hybrid between a business and a practitioner, a bit like an injector, I guess. Yes. Whereas, you know, in a doctor, generally speaking, you're in a hospital. Yes. You're, you're in this big system and everything's sort of done for you. So, you know, you do get <laughs> narcissistic, psychopathic yeah. sort of personalities. And that's, and that's factual. That's not just me being yeah, silly. Absolutely. Um, you do get those high achievers, but also not necessarily people, uh, people persons. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, interesting. Um, I know we're here to talk about aesthetics, but I've got some just general discussion points or things that I thought just now would be interesting to sort of flag with you, which is, you know, dentistry in general. I've got a few friends that are specialists, endodontists, periodontists, um, prosthodontists. And um, some of the feedback I've been getting from them is that, you know, there are so many dentists now that work that ordinarily would get handed to, say, an endodontist doing a, a complex root canal is now being taken on by dentists who would ordinarily refer because there's so many dentists and everyone's fighting for work. And they were noticing that even just the scope of what they're dealing with now is more complex cases, stuff that's been 
attempted, oh, failed. Yes. I mean, are you sort of are you used from a, from a dentist perspective? Do you do you sort of feel that with the increased competition that there is a pressure there? You know, a commercial pressure that perhaps wasn't there five, ten years ago, or is that just sort of anecdotal and, and sort of not really what you've seen in your experience? Um, look, it's interesting because I came from the UK mm. where I was used to seeing many, many patients a day. Mm-hmm. The whole dynamic of work was different. And then I came to Australia and I sat and I had like 10 patients and I was like, okay, yeah, where's the action? <laughs> yeah. And um, I started working um, as an associate and then in a partnership practice in the postcode 2153. Mm-hmm. And in the year 2000, there were 21 dentists. So two one five three. Where's that? Yeah, Bulk, uh, Hills District, Balcom Hills, okay. Norwest. Yeah, so we're talking. Uh, Winston Hills. So like we're Central talking Sydney? two decades ago. Yeah. yeah. So we're talking for anyone that's not from Australia. We're talking around about what forty five minutes to an hour west of the of the CBD, northwest of the of the Central yeah, Business District. Yeah, forty five minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And now um, in that same postcode area, we have four hundred and fifty dentists. Holy shit! Whoa! Well, there you go. So that probably would support what you're saying. Mm. Um, I think that everyone should do the right thing for the patient yeah. and not be driven by business. Yeah. So I think when you bring your authentic values and you actually um, treat the patient at the core of what you're doing, you'll never go wrong. Yeah. So I have never judged, like I, I just, I'm not a judgmental dentist. Like even a patient yesterday said to me, you're so lovely. Like you never shame me about not being here for two years. I'm like, what's yeah. that going to achieve? <laughs> exactly. What will it achieve? Yeah. You know, you can't shame someone into changing their behavior. You just make it worse. Yeah. You make them embarrassed. They go to no gaps dentist down the road. They, you know, have undiagnosed disease or whatever. And then they come back two years and they're really embarrassed and worried um, so I know I'm going off track and I'll try to get back onto what no, you were we, saying. No, I think this we is directly relatable to injectables. Um, yeah. what, what I'm saying is I, if I have a patient in the chair, I am treating that patient with the best outcome-based treatment plan, regardless if it's aesthetics, dentistry, or even, you know, their mental well-being. Mm. We see so much of that now, you know? So I think when we have a patient goal that drives your treatment planning, you never go wrong. Yeah. And And so I will present a $30,000 treatment plan to a patient who, you know, I learn from people coming in, you know, they dress in like rags and they have a $30,000 treatment plan. Yeah. Uh, Or, you know, I see one patient and they need a checkup and clean and an x-ray. It's just do... Do the treatment that is required to achieve oral wellness. Yeah. And, and Full I, stop. But I think that mindset translates to, to injectables, not only Absolutely. what you were just saying, but what David said as well. You know, there's so much competition. There's an injector on every high street and you go to a mall and there's 10 injectors. Yes. And yet, if you just try to sell to people, it's ridiculous. You know, you're yeah. not... You're not treating the yes. face, the person, the personality. Right. So I think, you know, injectors listening should should yeah. learn from you. I um, think, you know, and you, you're you not in it for the quick buck. Mm. Well, I'm not in it for the quick buck. Yeah. I've never have been. I've always just treated the patient um, in the correct way. And people can see through the bullshit. Like people just see through the BS, don't they? They know when they're being cared for. They know when it's genuine care and you're really on their side. And, you know, the way I said to patients is like, 
I'm on your side. We're a team. To achieve this goal, you're not going to achieve this goal without me. Mm-hmm. We may need yeah. to bring in another person, but you are going to also have to change habits at home. You know, if you want to have good oral health, good gums, you're going to have to floss and brush. You want to have excellent aesthetic outcomes, you can't just come and get a couple of injections without looking after your skin. Yeah. Or, you know, if you need to have something that's much more um, invasive, you have to bring in someone who's more skilled at that than you. Yeah. Someone who's trained in that. So a plastic surgeon. You know, it, it, we can't just be a one-woman show. Yeah. yeah. You have to be surrounded and supported by a multidisciplinary team. 100%. Yeah. And I think that sort of, you know, comes back to what are people's motivations? Yes. Um, you know, are they acting out of fear of losing business, not making enough money, feeling they need to extract every cent out of every patient for their own commercial um, needs? And I'm not saying that, you know, everyone's got expenses, people have got mouths to feed, of course. you know, people to look after in their family. But it's always about, am I acting out of fear of, you know, losing this patient or bringing in a multidiscipline team and, and people you refer to and trusting the process that if you do the right thing by the patient, they will come back to you. I agree. As opposed to, um, you know, trying to, you know, and then I guess the other side of that is just operating out of a, a place of love and care for your patient. And if you do the right thing, you know, sure, you might lose a patient that decides to go and see this person ongoing because, I don't know, I've, I've seen it happen before where of someone course. refers to someone else and then they go, you know what, I'm actually more comfortable with this person. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, the patient chooses, if you do the right thing, on yeah. average, it all sort of washes out and yeah. you will develop that reputation yeah. and that rapport with the patients. And they'll, I think people's bullshit um, radars are stronger it's, than they've ever been before. I think so. You know, so, yeah, I think it's admirable. Yeah. And look, it's probably easy for me to say that too because I am a very busy productive, um, you know, clinic. So I don't have to really consider, you know, where is the next patient coming from? Like we're booked out yeah. till middle of April, yeah, June in some of the dental, yeah. you know, some Saturdays evening. So I guess it's um, easy to say that when you're yeah. not looking at the day book yeah. tomorrow and going, hey, you know, what's going on? But you've built that from your core philosophy from 23 years ago when you weren't I busy. Have. Yeah. So. And look, I find it hilarious that I have my own business <laughs> because I do not have any business acumen. Yeah. Um, I'm developing it and it's been a journey to develop that, you know. Um, but yeah, I just, I just think, you know, just do the right thing, do good work. And, you know, the best way to build your practice is through referrals from other people. Yeah, word of like, mouth. That's word of mouth. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Now, Do you find the same? Oh, like, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. You know, you, you treat people, you know, with respect. You, you don't jump in, you don't sell, you just talk, you work out what their needs are, their wants are. They will, that, that's what builds the bond and the trust. Yeah. If you don't do everything in one day, it doesn't matter. They'll come back for exactly. third, fourth, fifth, ninth treatment. And, yeah. and then it just becomes a... A nice little dance every yeah. Yeah, it is. three times a year. Yeah, yeah. it's pleasant. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. nice. You, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be a, an injector-patient boundary, but you you build that friendship rapport. It is. Yeah, you yeah. talk about family, yeah. friends, life, COVID, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you're just as a patient, you're truly vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. And I actually really um, like when my son was born, he was very unwell. Yeah. And um, I looked at those doctors who saved his life in that neonatal ward. And I, it really changed me as a practitioner because I thought, you know, people are coming to me with that same, it's not life or death. Yes. But they're coming to me with that same expectation. And I think after I went back from maternity leave, I was a really different practitioner. Mm. 
really, you know, valued the trust and the honor that people were putting in me. And it's, it's so vulnerable. Like when in any other platonic relationship yeah. are you putting your fingers in someone's mouth? Yeah. yeah. Like really think about it. Yeah. I actually, I think it is an absolute honor to do what I do. Yeah. And um, you know, that trust. People yeah. are vulnerable. So vulnerable. Yeah. So vulnerable, you know, so the trust has got to be there and everything flows from that. Do you feel that um, education is an important part of that? I mean, we've got, access to supercomputers in our pocket and people yes. have got all lots of, lots of information. But in terms of explaining to someone what's going on, why yes. it's an issue, how you're planning to rectify it. And yes. and I think that it's part of that education process of making people feel empowered, yep. making them understand what you're doing and why you're doing it rather than just saying, shut up, sit down, yep. I'm the expert, I know what I'm doing yep. and, you know, just yep. trust me. Yep. And I think that, you know, with injectables or dentistry or any other sort of discipline, even, you know, outside of medicine, maybe law or whatever it is, yep. you know, I think empowering people with with knowledge and yeah. information and, and, and helping them understand the plan and why you're doing what you're doing goes a long way in building that trust. For sure. I mean, it's a part of the informed consent process. Yeah. So if you're not doing that, then, you know, I, I think you're really, you know, missing the point mm. completely. So I think education... And I think, you know, just because you can pick up a drill or you can pick up a syringe and fill someone's face or do a veneer, should you? Mm, yeah. You know, is it appropriate? Sometimes it's not. So sometimes, you know, educating someone to the risks, like I had someone the other day, we were doing veneers. Um, and I said to them, you know, this is now, you're now married to me. This is for life. Yeah. And they looked at me and sort of went, what do you mean? And I said, well... <laughs> This is irreversible treatment. And they're like, oh, I never thought of it like that. Yeah. So if you don't know the risks, you don't know the lifelong commitment, the maintenance, then if you're not having that conversation, that suddenly just slips past yeah. um, and it's done. You can't backtrack. Yeah. And the same with aesthetics. You know, most people, you know, whenever I'm doing treatment, I'm kind of, it's always the dentist in my head, you know, the risk averse, what's going to go wrong. You know, I've called the danger sister when I had toddlers, you know, people <laughs> call me the danger sister, always looking for, you know, what's the next danger? You've got young kids, so you know what it's like to try to keep them safe. But I'm like that at work. You know, like you're looking at all the senses, seeing if someone's going to faint, you know, seeing if someone's going to pass out. You know, you're doing, you're looking, you're not just doing the treatment. It's an awareness of everything. So, um, yeah, I think to, to educate people and make sure that they know what they're doing. And, you know, the big thing is the VO now, yeah. the vascular occlusion. You know, how many people know about that? How many people know how that could be potentially catastrophic for them? Yeah. And I think that's our duty as practitioners and as the regulations change, then I think that we have a duty to educate and yeah. inform and um, make sure the patient knows exactly what they're getting into. Yeah. Um, on veneers. Um, <laughs> Do you want some? No, I don't. But I, After not, that, no. Not, not yet, you but no. You don't want to be married to me. You really should. Well, what, what I was... I didn't want to say... <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say was, you know, you often see these veneers and people have obviously looked at a color and gone, that'll work. And then you see them in person and their teeth are so white. Yeah, I know. That even at nighttime, you might need to wear sunglasses yeah. not to be blinded <laughs> bring, by the reflection. Yeah. Is that reversible? And like, how does that conversation go? Again, completely unplanned question, but yes, just you course. brought up veneers. How do you talk people off getting those ridiculous, well, my opinion, ridiculous? Yeah. Some no, people might are. think they're great, yeah. but they're so white that it just looks unnatural. Yes. 
Well, look, I think we've become so influenced by the US. Yeah. You know, and they have actually made up their own shared. Like it's ingot shared. So we have shares, like, you know, you start A1, go all the way up to charts. And they've actually made their own shared. And people will ask for that. And I don't think I've ever, I think maybe potentially I've done one. Um, but that was a very um, long time ago. And the patient really wanted that and was back in the UK. But I think um, just to have enamel shade, like the, the shade of a normal enamel, but it's healthy white enamel. And the type of porcelain is probably really critical. So, you know, you have to get really good quality Feldspar porcelain that will reflect the light because your teeth just look like teeth and translucent because the light bounces off them and reflects back and that's what makes them look pretty. Right. So, um, and I think, you know, the best idea is to do as much um, preparation as you can with the patient that, you know, you're going to remove as little of the tooth structure um, so that it's it's less invasive. But yeah, look, I mean, it looks ridiculous, doesn't it? But look... Um, We've kind of gone that way where having aesthetic treatments and veneer treatments is kind of the new designer bag, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the millennials, they if you don't notice that it's being done, why do it? Yeah, that's true. They, they want to have that look. Yeah. Um, whereas an older person probably just wants to be a bit more discreet, mm. make it look nice, make it look as best as it can. But I find that people do want to have that fake look and I just think, well, you're probably not my fit and go and see Mr. Dentist down the road, thanks. Well, I was going to say, it's the same as lips yeah. or, you know, we'll come on to injectables in a sec, but do you have dentists who are known for that? And just like you have injectors who are known for that bolder look, if you want to put it that Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Yes, for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and look, if that's what you advertise and that's what you do, they will be the people you attract. Yeah. So then you continue doing that. So it's like that hamster wheel that you're on. You mm -hmm. just continue. And look, who am I to judge what someone wants to do? Yeah. But yeah. that's not my aesthetic. It's not my treatment plan. And I think, yeah, it's it, it just is looking so fake. Yeah. And I don't like it. Yeah. Fair enough. By the yeah. way, I'm, 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 yeah. I'm typing you, here, but I, what I'm actually doing is just marking interesting parts of this discussion okay, that would make cool. good YouTube videos. So, I'm so that's interesting. Am yes. I? No, no, no. Oh, so when you think, I'm not texting people, I'm taking notes, just so you know <laughs> what I'm doing. I thought you were booking an appointment online. <laughs> no. yeah. Veneers with not Martina, she's too natural. I've got a question that you, you reminded me. I was going to ask it later, but you mentioned informed consent. Yes. Now, Unless I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure I've never seen a, a consent form in a dental practice for fillings, veneers, root canals, tooth removal, nothing. I've never seen a, a you know an informed consent, written consent. Is that unusual? I'm going to fall off my chair. You haven't? Never, ever. So, look, I am not a half-hearted basic person. I yeah. am just like neurotic. So we are an accredited, independently accredited dental practice by QIP. Mm -hmm. So we have to have ISO, ISO 9. Not yeah. So yeah. at the end of the day, I know and my patient knows exactly what we're doing. Yeah, We know. My team know. We all know. Consent forms are for the lawyers and for the board. Mm -hmm. That's all. Yeah, Like your notes and your consent forms are for when it hits the fan and you've been pulled up in a complaint process and they want to see your documentation. Yes. 
Nothing ever, ever replaces that face-to-face conversation, that genuinely telling the person the risks. Um, nothing replaces that. Yeah. But unfortunately, as a society that we live in now, we have to have the paperwork. So in my practice, I can only speak for my practice, we have consent for everything. I mean, I'm staggered that I've never seen one, ever. I don't 41 know. 41 years old. Yeah. Have you ever seen a consent form? Uh, so it's, it's not that I can recall. And it would probably be more for... And, and this also annoys me. High risk. What's high risk? I have no idea from a dental perspective. But what's high risk? So you think when you inject, oh, so, it's a so proper, say for example, you're doing your injection lip or you're doing your um, injectables for wrinkles around your eyes. Yeah. You do it with your eyes closed probably, you know, um, one hand, you know, and you're looking. and But it's just, it's something that you just do and it's routine. You're on autopilot. But... There are risks in everything, really, aren't yeah, there? Yeah, of course. Drive, so, driving here is a risk. That's right. So I think high-risk things in dentistry are probably more like the major dental, like wisdom teeth extractions, orthodontics, um, root canal, um, anywhere, I think, where you remove tooth structure. Yeah. Or implants, so, maybe. Implants, for sure. Yeah, yeah implants, big one. Most of the structure yeah. fail. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. look, the failure rate of implants is really quite low. Yeah. Like, it's actually a really good... Uh, procedure. Yeah, I think the highest um, risk is root canal because again, we're not dealing with dental competency. Mm-hmm. We're actually dealing with the body. Yeah, yeah. So you might have the worst looking root canal on an X-ray um, in terms of how you know because you fill it with a plastic point and a cement, and you might have the worst looking root canal on an X-ray. But because your body's well fit and your commensal bacteria in your mouth and your microflora is all good you're surviving and the tooth is great. Yep. And you might have one that's done by a specialist. You have a crack in the tooth, you're uh, autoimmune disease, you're high inflammatory in your body and, um, you know, it's failing. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the oral consent and speaking and talking and having a relationship with your patient and just doing the right thing should be the only consent you need. But it's not the world we live in. So I think every <clears throat> medical practitioner would yeah. agree that's, that's real life. Yeah, you have to have a exactly. conversation like this. But at the end of the day, as soon as shit hits the fan yeah. or something goes wrong, yeah. you need that piece of paper. That's right. Yeah. Because it's for otherwise, the otherwise it wasn't said, right? Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, I promise, listeners, we're getting to aesthetics in a minute, but I've got, I've got, I've got one <laughs> Sorry, more question. Guys. No, no. It's the injector diaries, isn't <laughs> yes. it? I know. But well, my, you know, dental yeah. injections. <laughs> well, what I was going to say is for me, going to the dentist is like going to the mechanic. Yeah. I don't know what that is going on. Exactly. I, how often do I look in my mouth? Never. You know, when you're getting injections done in your face, you, you people analyze their face all the time to varying degrees, depending on how neurotic yes. you are and, you know, how focused you are on your outward appearance. But everyone knows, you know, where their nose is, what their cheeks look like, what their lips are like, and you can sort of see what's going on. But going to the dentist is sort of like going to the mechanic where they go, oh, mate, your, your carburetor's gone. We're going to have to replace that. Exactly. That's going to be $10,000. And you're like, I oh, know. Okay, I, I, you know, it was just it was having you a say bit, so. It was just idling a bit rough. But if you say my engine's screwed, then all right. And yeah. so I guess it's so. I'm, my question I'm leading to is, as a consumer or a patient, yeah, how do you identify the dentist that's ethical, that um, is doing the things that you think are appropriate in terms of consent and and uh, education and informing people? Yes. How do you how do you sort of with all these you know you've got 400 dentists in your postcodes for the people that mm-hmm. are listening. Mm-hmm. They're going, okay, well, you're telling me all this stuff, but how do I how do I identify who's ethical and who's potentially right for me? And then I promise we'll get to aesthetics, but that's something I really interested. Even from a selfish perspective, I want to know the answer yeah. to that question. For me, I see it in um, wanting a second opinion. Yep. 
So when someone wants, so if I consult someone and they get what I'm saying and they're in agreement with what I'm saying or they have questions, like I welcome questions. I have absolutely no agenda. Ask me a question, you know, let's hammer it out. Let's get you understanding what you're doing. But I think um, if a patient comes away from a consultation and they don't understand and they have that little, like, you know, that sort of gut instinct that you feel that you're just, it's not quite right. Mm-hmm. And they want a second opinion. So, you know, there are lots of dentists around the area um, that you just get second opinions. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone will find the patients that they um, deserve, I mm-hmm. think. And I'm a very conservative practitioner. So I'm a very much a watch and wait. Let's not do anything big. Um, let's review that in three months. I'm very much an integrated with the body, a wellness dentist. Yep. Always been. I don't think it's new that, you know, we should be saying that inflammation in the mouth is going to affect the body. You know, and now new diseases like inf- male infertility has been linked to inflammation in the gum. So the root of most new age medical disease is inflammation. Mm-hmm. And I just think, is it a no-brainer that if you have inflammation and bacteria in your mouth and you're swallowing that, by direct route into your body, surely there has to be a link. Like, can we please get doctors and dentists talking to each other? I'm not even talking about aesthetic doctors, but, you know, I will pick up the phone. I'll ask a doctor to maybe do a blood test and add, uh, you know, uh, autoimmune marker, like an ANA or an ENA onto the list. And they'll just say to me, stay in your lane and do your fillings, love. Yeah. And then you might, you say, well, actually, that patient that I wanted to um, know about, why they've got such aphthous alteration in the mouth, um, they've actually been diagnosed with leukemia. So perhaps, you know, maybe we should liaise. Like or I, I, or something else. I would love to see in my practicing career a much more aligned pathway between doctors and dentists. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what model exists in the world where doctors don't learn the inside of the mouth? Yeah. And it's not a rebatable treatment. Yeah. And I've got, you know, radiologist friends and family members who wouldn't even know how to report a dental x-ray. Yeah. It's it's just, it, there's a big flaw. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the main thing, getting back, digressing again, David, okay. um, is that you find um, someone who wants a second opinion and they may have been told that they need lots of work, crowns, root canals, and... Um, I think sometimes you can't shock people into big treatment plans. You have to start slow and do what's needed to treat disease and remove pathology and then move on to doing the extra, the icing on the cake. So I think it's about the relationship again. But yeah, I think it comes back to patients who come to my clinic and they'll come with this, and they'll come with the treatment plan from the other gents. Say, look, rip it up. I don't want to know because I don't want that to skew my view of your mouth. And then we can talk about it. Yeah. So that that's probably the only way. But yeah, look, you're completely vulnerable, and I completely agree. You know, when I go to the mechanic, like they just they could just be saying, you know, you need this, that, and the other, and I have no idea. And because you know you're driving a lethal weapon, you want to make sure your brakes are working, right? Yeah. And exactly. I think it's the same with your mouth. You know, you, you've got a one chance to get it right. And then, you know, you can have big consequences in terms of like failure rates and yeah. expenses down the road. So, yeah. 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 So this is a great segue. I think we've pitched your your philosophy, your practice and why we've got a dental injector on. 
So uh, we can sort of marry up some of your skills that maybe us medics and nurses and other injectors maybe haven't fully thought about. So it'd be great to get some of the insights with your injecting philosophy. But why did you get into injectables in the first place? What what motivated you? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I I literally fell into it. And it sounds so cliche, right? But I do a lot of pain management, um, dental bruxism where you clench your teeth together. And, you know, doing the traditional treatments and getting reasonable results, but people were still having pain. And I read about, you know, injectables for masseters. Yeah. And I went along and then I did well and I started offering at my practice. And then some patients would say, oh, you know, wouldn't it be funny if you slipped and hit here with that needle? <laughs> and I was like, hey, no, it wouldn't be funny, but let's investigate that. So, yeah, and I just it's a dream come true for me. I love beauty and skin and health and looking well and, you know, um, I I just can't believe it. Um, So I threw myself full-heartedly into it, which is how I am. Um, I'm not just going to double here and double there and hope for the best. I wanted to be the best um, treat practitioner that I could be. So I went off and I did some training and then I decided, look, you know, I want to know where that needle's sitting. Don't want to just inject and hope for the best. So I would like to know what plan I'm in. I would like to know how we can actually optimize this patient's results. So I did a diploma in dental therapy. And then I thought, oh, look, you know, that's wonderful, but I need to know a bit more. So I've just finished a master's in facial aesthetics where um, we did um, lots and lots of treatment over the last two years, you know, all the new treatments, regenerative medicine, toxins, dermal fillers, wellness, anti-aging, um, skin treatments. So who was running the masters? Is it a UK one? Uh, yeah. In Birmingham. So okay. Claire Mary. Yeah. So look, I think that has given me such an amazing insight into the lack of evidence-based medicine and aesthetic medicine yeah. and the things that we see on Instagram, the things that have actually no bearing on, you know, scientifically. So I really think I have developed my skills from a critical thinking perspective. Brilliant. Yeah. That has been a really, like really transformative for me, where it actually makes me stop and think and go, hey, Let's go into PubMed or let's go into Scopus and Science Direct and read about that and know about that. Mm. And, uh, you know, get the evidence because it, it, it's just such a, like it, it is literally like a, the Wild West, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It really is. Really yeah. Is. I, think it's get, I think it's getting better slowly over time. Yeah, it, it will. Yeah. How, how has your, like one discipline impacted the other? So in terms of, you know, having all of your, um, I guess, knowledge of dentistry and then moving into aesthetics. How do you think that has benefited you and, and perhaps vice versa? You know, how has aesthetics potentially impacted the way that you approach your patients from a dental perspective or, or maybe it hasn't? Yeah. So I think I have always been a head and neck dentist. So when a patient comes, you know, we do temp like this is even before aesthetics, temporalis assessment, masseter assessment, submandibular nodes, thyroid assessment, um, then intraoral cancer check gum screening, teeth last. Like teeth are there. Of course, they're important and we need to treat them, but they're a very small part of the whole picture. So I think um, when you have that integrated mindset and you just have more knowledge, you can look a lot more um, holistically at the person 
above the shoulder and go, well, you know, this, you, you want to have bigger lips, but is this a dental issue? Is this a skeletal, like, is this your maxilla um, needs to be, you know, widened? Uh, you do you actually need surgery. Do you need referral? Um, so I think that they always sit together and patients would say to me, what days do you do your injections and what day do you do dentistry? Yeah. I'm like, they just go hand in hand every day. So you mentioned you obviously did some initial training in aesthetics. What exactly did that comprise of? Because, you know, we've sat here a hundred times and I'm sure you've heard podcasts where we sort of laugh about training and how yeah. basic it can be and, yeah. you know, what, what what's the right way of doing it. So how did you learn and, and maybe reflecting back on it, did you think it gave you the skills or or not? Look, I think... It's like that bell curve, isn't it? You know, where you think you know so much. Uh-huh. It's not a bell curve, actually. It's, it's, the, it's some uh, other curve. You're moving through what you mean, like unconsciously incompetent, consciously incompetent. My dad is a, is a math teacher and he would just be mortified <laughs> by me not even knowing statistical you know, graphs. But, <laughs> sorry. Um, but yes, I'm much better at dentistry than math. But yeah, that graph where you think, oh, yeah, you know, I'm competent. I know things. Then you know more, then you realize, oh my gosh, I didn't really know anything. And I think it's just a steep learning curve. So I think the introduction to aesthetics. Dunning-Kruger. What is it? Yes, 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 that's the one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I think that's a a trajectory for everyone, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, with everything. Yeah, so look, you know, you start, you do a two-day course. Um, I think probably what we need to make sure is that we know as much as we can and we're competent. And that obviously with the dentist, you know, it's not embraced that dentists are doing treatments in Australia. Yes, we're going to come on to You know, that. we really are a different um, group. There's a different dynamic and it's a different perception, I think, for dentists. But I believe that, you know, you need to make sure that you're practicing within your scope of practice. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, you need to show that you have competency in what you're doing mm. and um, be able to demonstrate training. So actually, there's three components there that are very difficult to Absolutely. showcase. So yes. competence, what yes. does that mean? I don't know if I it's can demonstrate very, competence. It's very um, subjective, isn't it? Yeah. What's like, um, art? What's like art? That's right. You know, you, you've, you've got like... Um, different forms of art you've got realism you've got sort of you know abstract you've got you know sculpture so you've got all these different ways in which you can present your art and you could ask 100 different people and you'll get 100 different answers around do they like it do they not like it you know everyone can agree that you can recognize artistic skill but in terms of execution of a piece of art is so subjective so i mean for example in our industry someone might be extremely competent and yes. safe and know exactly what they're doing and understand all the facial landmarks yes. and all the danger areas, but they're producing, you know, the big porn star lips. I know. And someone will go, well, that's shit because I don't like that and that's not my aesthetic. Therefore, that person yeah. must be incompetent. That's yeah. right. But that's not always the indication. Yeah, and that's actually a big thing. You know, you go to a conference and someone's sitting there telling you everything about the academia of anatomy, injecting yes. and whatever, and then you've never seen a result of theirs. That's you've right. never seen them inject you're sort of like wondering, well, how do you know? Do you have, do you actually have the experience to be teaching me this? Yeah. And and there's also a big difference between being able to theoretically explain something and understand the mechanics of it, but then actually having the mechanical aptitude and hand-eye coordination and the aesthetic eye and understanding basic artistic principles, you know, uh, symmetry, proportions, line, shape, all those sorts of things. And then also how does that aesthetic look 
when you throw function into the mix. So how does that mm. person look under animation? Yes. Uh, is it impacting their ability to chew their food? All these sorts of other, so it's a very, it's like a hybrid. It of, is, it's so you, complex. Yeah. It's so complex. But I think, you know, when you're talking about board and regulation, they just want to see pieces of paper, I think, mm. to demonstrate that you can do it. So a piece of paper is more valuable, I think, despite having practical knowledge and being good at what you do yeah. and being a safe person and producing good results. Um, I think that that is, is where we need to have change. And, you know, like, show me the formal training pathway that I can go to. Mm. Where's your formal training pathway? Where is it? Don't have like, one. Where is it? Yeah. Yeah. Show me the paper. Well, we've had this discussion. Like, where yeah, it's just times. not there. Yeah. And actually, you know, you've done the master's, so yes. you can tell us because not many yes. people do that. I haven't done it. And it was hard work. You know, you're a, you're an academic dentist as well as, you know, injector. You enjoy that. And I think you're in a part of your career now where maybe you can dedicate the time to do that. Your children yes, are a bit older from right. what you said. Whereas, you know, most injectors, they're trying to get on the ladder. They probably don't have the funds to fund what is quite an expensive endeavour to Absolutely, do a master's. Absolutely, it is. And the time, obviously. Yeah. So what, what has it given you, apart from, I guess, personal development, yeah. that you think translates to competence? Uh, it's given me a few wrinkles <laughs> and a few more grey hairs. Um, look, it's given me um, a, a real sense of achievement because mm -hmm. I went through a really bad time with um, the dent with the board and, you know, I had a psychopath um, who... This is the dental board? Yeah, right. yeah who um, reported me for doing aesthetics. Oh, right. So I've had several... Um, anonymous complaints, um, probably by someone who doesn't really want to see your success. Yeah. Um, and I had to go there um, the hardest days of my life, actually, mm. and prove that I deserve to not be suspended as a dentist. Wow. See, th yeah, this, this is where it becomes and, a bit yeah, horrible. Yeah. And there's no one, like no one who would care about their patients more than I do. Like I mean that from my heart. Yeah. I I've, sincerely, yeah. yeah, and you know, to sit there and to justify and to talk about you know things that you do and should you do or should you not do, and at the end of the day, for these all to be, and there were many, many, many complaints anonymously, um, for never to have a patient involved. Yeah, it's never. All... I've never had a complaint by a patient in my 25 years. Of yeah. So maybe we could just wheel back a second. So I think we alluded to right at the start and, and we did it on last week's podcast with Bob Carner. Ah, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. He got in there. I wanted to talk about Bruxism. He beat me to it. Well, we can, we can still cover it. Yeah. <laughs> you can give us your like five little tips at the end. Um, wh what's the problem with dentists injecting at all? Because, you know, people listening in the UK or certain countries, they'll think this is madness, know. you know, why, why shouldn't they be doing aesthetics? But here they definitely <laughs> sit in a grey zone and I've never yeah. quite understood it. Um, and you mentioned before about staying in your lane. Yeah. So what is the scope of practice for a dentist when it translates to injectables or your understanding anyway? Um, well, from my understanding is you, um, you know, it needs to be, so anything that I do in aesthetics is always brought back to a dental treatment plan. Mm -hmm. So it has to be part of a dental facial plan. Right. And also, you know, you, your scope of practice, we have now decided, um, well, not we, the, the board and the regulators have decided that that is 
an individual scope of practice. Yes. So it's not a blanket, you can do this, this and this. Because I think they are now understanding that people sit on different sides of the spectrum and that some people are more skilled or more qualified in certain areas. Like you tell me any, apart from specialists, like what training pathway have people had for doing implants in dentistry? Right. What training pathway have they had to do Invisalign? Yes. What's different? Yeah. So my understanding is that you do a basic dental degree yeah. where everyone has, you know, that basic skill. Yeah. But then everything after that, like cosmetic and Visalign yes. and implants, it's all post-grad yes. mini courses. That's right. It could be and a weekend a po- or... Post-graduate as in a master's. So most people doing, like orthodontists, will have, they will have done obviously the master's in that and they're qualified as an orthodontist. So you become a very much a subspecialty. Yeah. And, you know, aesthetics is the same. You know, you've got your plastic surgeons, you refer off. Like, I don't do everything in dentistry, so I wouldn't do everything in aesthetics. Yeah. It's the same approach. Yeah. Can I ask both of you guys, have you ever actually in any of your training courses for injectables, which we we all agree is a hybrid between, um, you know, general medicine in terms of understanding, you know, as I said, all the dangers and risks and pharmacological bits and pieces, but then the other half is artistic, right? Have you, either of you guys ever been taught basic artistic principles, you know, like, you know, proportions and symmetry and all that sort of stuff? Is that something that you guys have sort of embarked on in terms of study or or to educate yourself on that? You take that one first, yeah. Martina. Um, look, in my master's, yes. Yeah. Um, so we, my, my um, the plastic surgeon who was my mentor and continues to be a really valued mentor. Um, Do you want to give them a shout out? Who was that? Um, Dr. Ganim. Um, Hello, Dr. Ganim. No, prof, Prof. Oh my gosh. Profa. Sorry. Sorry, Prof. Prof, prof, prof Ganim. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he's uh, an amazing individual. What, what's wish, his background? Um, he's a plastic surgeon. Plastics, okay. Multiple, what, multiple degrees. What type of plastics does he focus uh, on? He's pretty much, um, he does a lot of, um, you know, reconstructive work. Right, okay. And um, he is doing a lot of facial aesthetics now. So I think he's gone into that a lot more. Yeah. Um, non-surgical facelifts, okay. you know, endolift and, yeah. you know, yeah. um, laser assisted mm-hmm. um, skin tightening. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, our very first conversation was about the Renaissance Masters. Yep. And I had to go and read up on it. Yep. And I think, you know, people, like how you hold a needle and how graceful you are and how you can almost make it dance a bit, sounds a bit Yeah, well, it's ornate. like a paintbrush, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And some people have it and some people don't. Yeah. And I believe that I do have a very good visual feedback yeah. to my brain and my hand yeah. coordination and I do think I get proportions. I understand it. I've academically, yep. you know, researched it. Um, but it, it, it's, it needs to transfer onto the face. Like it has yeah. to, you can know everything in your brain. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get good outcomes. Yeah. And I've been on courses, like, and I'm not going to ditch you guys, <laughs> but I've been on courses with doctors. And like, I pick up an injection every day, yeah. like a needle. It's in my hand. It's like an extension of my hand. Yeah. It's normal. But you can see, you know, the awkwardness yeah. in some, like, and it's like, again, like you have your certificate to say you're a doctor, you have your certificate in training, whatever. I have my certificate on the wall to say I'm a dentist. It's what your personal skill and your personal values that you bring to that, that make you what you are as a practitioner. So, you know, I think I am quite artistic in the mouth and out of the mouth. It's just how I am. Yeah. But some people are, are not artistic. Yeah. 
it's yeah, it's it's the skill set that you have. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, when you're dressing the table for Christmas Day. You know, how beautiful does it look? Does it look like a dog's breakfast or does it look like something that's going to be in a magazine? Yeah. That yeah. will be my second the second one will be what my table will look like. It's just I am aesthetically driven person. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Jake? I mean, because we've had this discussion before around the fact that, you know, medicine is a very academic, analytical pursuit, and then you're thrusting yourself into a hybrid of art and therapeutic medicine yeah. or, or that analytical brain. So, you know, your perspective would be interesting. Never been formally trained in, you know, anatomical art, if you like, or yeah. or, or form or proportion, uh, Da Vinci sort of yeah, stuff. the Vitruvian man. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But it's weird. I, you know, if you gave me a piece of paper and said, draw a face or, or even a cartoon, I, I couldn't do it. Yeah. I, I don't have that abstract ability to yes. just do it. But actually, if you said, do your still life, I, you know, I, I used to be good at that at school. I could just do it. Yeah, right. And actually, weirdly, I've just reminded me, talking about this, I actually won the art prize <laughs> when I was about, I don't know. Well, sure. Finger painting. Well, was it finger painting yeah, in grade two? Yeah, exactly. It was, like, <laughs> it was a long, 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 long time ago. See, but, you've got talents that you didn't even know you had. <laughs> yeah, but the point is that I, I think it can be taught to an extent or, or principles can be laid. Yes. But, you know, it's it's an innate thing. And, you know, you know how bloody yeah. OCD I am. No. Really? A lot of things. I know. But it makes you who you are. Like, your results are beautiful. Oh, like, you. your results that you put up on Instagram. Like, you've got beautiful results. I think you do the most beautiful mid-face rejuvenation. So natural. Um, so, you know, whether it's on paper, that's relevant, isn't it? It's what's the outcome on the faces. Yeah. And, you know, you know, and what I see that, you know, that you post, um, it's beautiful work. So you do have that skill, obviously. No, thank you. Yeah. I mean, you know, as, as injectors, you know, we, we were talking with Steve yeah. uh, a couple of podcasts ago about um, chin and jaw and... Steve, Dr. Steve Weiner. The, re, the, the rejuvenator. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, the rejuvenator. Yes, yeah, the rejuvenator. <laughs> uh, you know, and we both said that we, we don't get calipers out. We're not measuring. Yeah. Yes. I don't even draw sort of, um, you know, particular lines that mm -hmm. some injectors love. Mm -hmm. I just, I know some landmarks mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I will draw certain things on, mm -hmm. more dots than lines. Mm -hmm. So then I know that, okay, I'm symmetrical, I'm on that suture point on both sides, but then I'm eyeballing and tailoring. Yeah. Like it's more fluid process. Yeah. So, so yeah. That it's, it's not, I'm not going to say it's art, but I'm checking what I'm doing yeah. as I'm going. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's a multi, multitasking um, treatment, isn't it? Yeah. Like you, there's just so many things going on in your brain yeah. to make the outcome. Yeah. That you're, you're thinking on so many layers. Mm. Yeah. Well, you've got injectors like Subio who we've had on. Yeah. Amazing artist, you know, plays around with his iPad. It's yes. incredible what he can do. And, and it's all, you know, he's just doing it. He's not having to copy anything. He just yeah. does it. Yeah. And he will, I think I'm right in saying, I don't want to misquote him, but he does think that injectables is art. It, yeah. it's, it's almost a pure art. Yeah. And he doesn't like the idea of getting too fussy with codes and, yeah. you know, things like that. So, you know, it can be innate, it can be intuitive, yeah. but your average person who's learning doesn't have that. No. So I think we have to sort That's of blend right. those two things. Yeah. And I think as a dentist, I'm always like, okay, so these are the rules and I'll do the rule, like I'll follow the rules. So if I'm going to do a filling, like I've got to do, clean the tooth, remove the decay, you know, etch it, <clears throat> bond it, put the white filling in. Like there is a protocol. Yes. Yeah. So as a dentist, you're always looking for a protocol to follow. And, and that's just how you are. And I think that when you work on the outside of the face, then you realize that the protocols have to be somewhat fluid. Yeah. 
Um, and, you know, like, you know, you, people will say, oh, how much will I inject in that side of the cheek or what should I do? Well, you know, if you've got an asymmetric person, you're not going to do 0.2 and 0.2. It has to, it's so individual, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But, but guidelines, I think, are good to start off with. Yeah, I, I have think to they, say, they probably give the injector a bit of reassurance, I think. Yeah, I, I'm more of a protocolized injector. Yeah. So yeah. I've got, you know, I break the face down into the codes, I use yeah. MD codes. I've got a sequence of what I do. I do the same thing every time. It's yeah. almost robotic. Yeah. And that's been hammered into me, my Maurizio. It's yeah, just yeah. what I do. Yeah. And I, I, I would love that. Um, Because now I don't have to think. Yeah. Of course, when you're learning yeah. to learn, okay, I clean the face, <clears throat> then I do this, yes. then with my non-injecting hand I pull, yes. I do this at that depth, I inject, I aspirate. You do, you follow those steps and then it becomes innate. And yes. then you can get, think outside the box. I agree. But until you learn some steps, how, how are you going to teach exactly. a beginner anything? You have to. It can't yeah. just be a little bit here, a little bit there. That, no. that, that doesn't, you can't teach that. No. Yeah. No. I well, agree. You, your art is on a living canvas. True. Do you know what I mean? And it, it's it's kind of interesting. And I, yeah. I do the same thing with bonsai, which is kind oh, of cool. you know living with you know. You like, make them older. I make them look older, but like oh, I'm right. always thinking like you know artistically, you know proportion, symmetry, yes. showing age, you know negative space. But then there's in the background, I'm thinking, well, if I bend this branch to this sort of level, am I going to break it? Am yeah. I compromising the health of the tree yeah. or the plant? And I guess it's similar to what you guys are doing. I mean, I'm not saying yeah. bonsai art is the same as aesthetics or medicine, but I'm just saying in terms of having that thought in the back of your head around function and health yeah. and how what you're doing, you're sort of balancing off or sort of, you know, working yeah. out how to achieve both without yep. sacrificing one or the other. Can I wheel us back to yes. the dental board? Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, back there. you know, I don't want to get into specifics and, and whatever, but I just want to nail down what the problem is. Yeah. And for any dentist in Australia listening, give them some tools to, to you know, to know what they can or can't do. Look, I just think um, that you should be trained well, be safe, be competent, and make sure that it is dentally related. So I think, you know, our my joy in dentistry and aesthetics is the lower face, mm -hmm. the perioral complex. That's what I'm skilled in. It's the first thing I notice about people um, because that's where I'm drawn to. So I think, you know, just keep yourself and keep yourself current, I think, as well with the regulations and the guidelines. Mm -hmm. um, I really, you know, it, it's hard because you'll have people listening, hopefully, <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, maybe um, in the UK and you know all over the world, and they're probably thinking, "What's what's the, what's problem? the deal?" You yeah. know, yeah. But it's unique to Australia. But I think those pathways will change. Yeah. I think that there will be changes, and um, I, I think the next five years will see changes coming. I think. Yeah, but sorry, just to. Um, finish what you were saying there. So dentally related, I think anyone could understand that lip, uh, chin, yeah. jaw, that could be linked to the mouth and, yeah. and lower face. But yeah. for example, upper face toxin, yeah. can you do that? Well, as long as you can, I guess, relay it back. So, you know, when you smile, you, you are using all your muscles off your face, aren't you? Yeah. And I guess that those are the basic treatments in aesthetics aren't they yeah you know upper face toxin is probably where everyone starts yes yeah exactly I, yeah. I mean i see it ridiculous to try and make this into a jigsaw puzzle that doesn't link up yeah. you know what, uh, and, one... the, and i think then when you do start so i've got my bit of the jigsaw someone else has got their bit of the jigsaw and you're only treating what you know and what you can do yeah then the outcomes are just not going to be good 
So that's why I think you need to have a multidisciplinary team and you need to have a really good referral network and a support network. Yeah. You know, and making sure that you're safe. What, what do you think the actual stigma or potential, you know, preconceived notions, which obviously from my perspective, nonsensical in, 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 in response to or respect of why it's an issue for dentists to be doing cosmetic injectables. We don't have any issues with registered nurses, even enrolled nurses, if they're supervised yeah. by a doctor doing these injections. I would say that the pursuit of dentistry is probably, you know, I might get some hate for this, but just looking at the amount of time it takes to, be, to become a dentist and, yeah. you know, the mark that you need to get yeah. in to, yeah. to actually get the opportunity to study yes. um, that pursuit is probably higher than some of those, you know, than say yeah. pot- potentially nursing. So why is it that we don't have an issue with nurse injectors? but we have an issue with dental injectors. Yeah, and I, and, I, don't, I don't understand. And to yeah. throw myself under the bus, I was yeah. sort of ex-general surgeon, mainly concentrating on colorectal and breast. Wow. So again, yeah. you know, yeah. am I in my lane? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I've asked the question and I've yet to receive an answer, but I am continuing to seek those answers and I will keep you posted. Yeah, we'll have to have When to do a I follow get up. the <laughs> answers. Yeah, I, I don't have an answer for you. I'd love to have an answer because I'd love to have an answer for myself. Mm, yeah. So I'll keep you posted. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah. You know, this industry, um, you know, it, it's sort of this this interesting paradox because you've got people that are highly educated, mm-hmm. hyper-intelligent, but behave like children in a yeah. lot of respects. Not these anonymous complaints that are just, yeah. you know, they hide behind, yeah. you know, in, in many instances, not all, you know, many complaints are warranted and, the, and we should have that that process in place to mm-hmm. identify dangerous mm-hmm. practitioners and issues. But just put that to a side, from my perspective, a lot of the complaints that are driven are from competitors. Oh, come on. It's 99.9%. Yeah. For, yeah, for commercial oh, reasons, for commercial reasons, but hidden under, or, you know, under the guise of this is dangerous or I have, com- and it's just, it makes me sick. Yeah, because it's just this tall poppy syndrome yeah. and commercial jealousy that people are, um, you know, misusing our regulatory um, yeah. resources yeah. because they're jealous of someone or you know someone's getting doing commercially better than them yeah. and trying to destroy someone's career and their reputation. Yeah. It make it makes me it makes me want to vomit. To it's be honest, it's very easy with you. to do, yeah. David. If you know you thought that I, you know, after I leave today, and you think, oh, you know, yeah, let's just send a, an anonymous complaint. Yeah. Hit the button. Yeah. Do it's it ca- again. It's, it's cowardly. Do it again. Yeah. Do it again. Yeah. Do it again. Do it again. Do it 12 times yeah, and yeah. get that person in front of the board to justify what they're doing when they're actually a very caring, safe practitioner. The, pro- the, the process is flawed. Yeah. I think the process needs to change. <clears throat> yeah. And, um, you know, they, they were the darkest days of my life yeah. in my yeah. practicing career because I would never do the wrong thing. And I know that we have to have regulations and we have to have that to keep people safe. But when that is justified, there has to be some justification, right? Yeah. yeah. So when you can anonymously report someone and there's no substance to it, but it still gets investigated. Well. You know, it, so I, I actually, you know, we actually thought that we were going to have to sell our house to oh keep me working. The yeah. legal fees, like yeah. during, and it was during lockdown yeah. and, you know, every night I would be Zooming with my lawyers Yeah, and um, yeah, it was pretty grim. But, you know, my children, <clears throat> they saw a side where you realize that you can have really dark days, yeah. but there's a lot of light at the end yeah. of the tunnel and you're stronger than you ever need, ever thought you could be. Yeah. And that, you know, you have to have grit and you have to be resilient. And I think- 
what they probably didn't bet on that I was such a justice-driven person. So I was not going to accept that that was okay. Yeah. So I was going to fight for my reputation. Yeah. I was going to fight for my name and that I was not guilty of the professional misconduct charges that were laid upon me. Mm. So, yeah. So, you know, everything works out. You just have to be your own advocate, I think, sometimes. Yeah. You have to be strong. You have to change the status quo. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, you are stronger than you ever think you could yeah. have to be. And you can do it. Well done. Well, here's Thank an idea. You. Here's Thank an idea. Here's an idea. Um, <laughs> I understand the, the complaint process and I understand the reason for anonymity. Ah, it, yes. But here's an idea. What if you were able to make a complaint anonymously mm-hmm. and if that complaint um, was determined to be valid, mm-hmm. your, your anonymity remains? Okay. But, mm-hmm. but if it is found mm-hmm. that your complaint is not genuine, mm-hmm. it is, you know, seated in commercial jealousy mm-hmm. or for whatever reason mm-hmm. that you would no longer keep your anonymity and there are repercussions for you as that complainant if that if it is determined yes, that it's that bullshit. No well, think about it. That, that, is, that is just unprofessional as what they're claiming that, you know, someone's doing. Yeah. You're, you're deliberately... Because there's, there's no recourse for these people now. They no. can write whatever they want, destroy someone's reputation and career... And there's no there's no justice. There should be justice. If you're going to go out there and try and destroy someone and yep. it's not based in any other reason other than commercial and jealousy, there should be repercussions for that. That's my opinion. Agree. That's my personal view. And, and, actually, know, and I think opera plays a big role in this as well. You know, like you've got um, that beautiful um, obstetrician gynecologist in South Australia who'd received two anonymous complaints and he ended his life oh my because God. he was so hurt by, you know, the process, by the injustice of it all. Yeah, it's like you're guilty until you can prove you're innocent, in which it should be the opposite, I would say. Well, the other easy thing to do would to streamline complaints, say, are you a patient or are you a professional? Mm -hmm. If you've never been a patient of this person you're complaining, that goes into a different streamline completely. Yeah, but also to authenticate that it is a patient. Correct. And I think you should have to give, you know, your passport details or your license, yeah. be checked out that you actually exist. And if you, you are know, rather do- than, you know, Joe Blogs or, you know, the last I just got another complaint recently about, you know, something about my Instagram. It's just like it's just, <sighs> it's, just- it, it's just like, you know, yeah, whatever. Like just just have something else in your life <laughs> that you would like to be seen doing rather than trying to you just make a nuisance of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and again, waste the resources because there are probably, you know, cases that don't get the attention that they Absolutely. deserve and, and people that really are, you know, yes. un, you know, uh, uh, doing the wrong thing, yeah. malpractice, all those sorts of things that we've only got limited amount of resources exactly. for these regulators. And yeah. if you're tying them up with nonsense, how are they going to have time to give attention and their resource to the stuff that is genuine, that does sure. need looking at? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Look, opera can't be blind to this but it doesn't seem to be changing yet but hopefully people like yourself will yeah. spur them into doing something <laughs> yeah. different watch and win and see yeah let's get yeah. away from the let's, doom and yeah, yeah, let's, I know let's let's crack <laughs> it up again guys let's, let's get to the good stuff <laughs> yeah so I want to learn from a dentist who's an injector like do you do anything differently in your consult for, you know, for example you said you don't even divide your time up between aesthetics and dentists it just sounds like it flows from procedure p- to procedure. So yeah. 
you know, you're obviously doing them in your dental room in your yeah, practice. Yeah, yeah. Do, are your main clientele, I hate using the word clients, but your, your patient yes. database, are they also dental patients? or, or is So there a- predominantly dental patients. And then, you know, we have obviously neuroaesthetic patients. And then the flow over um, is usually from a dental patient to aesthetics. But then mm. when they come for aesthetics, they go, oh, actually, you know, you seem quite gentle, quite nice. <laughs> got wobbly that tooth. didn't hurt. Um, <laughs> I've got a sore tooth. Can I book in? Yeah. So it is just such a crossover. Yeah. It's interesting. And, you know, we'll come on to your, your Instagram in a moment. It's, it's very fun and I love what you're doing. Um, do you get a, a specific Instagram crowd that come just having seen you on Instagram or not? It's funny with Instagram because you sometimes like, it's soul destroying Instagram, isn't it really? Yeah. You know, because you think, oh, I put all this work in and you get two lights yeah, and yeah. no one comments. And then, you know, like the other day I posted something to me at Bondi in the water and it's like it's so many views. It's just yeah. crazy. But um, it's a... It's more about building um, a profile, I think, that people see you, they think, okay, you know, she doesn't take herself too seriously. She looks professional. Um, you know, she gets nice results. And it's about them almost feeling like they know you yes. before they come. Um, and I think it's probably, pa- I don't think we really get a lot of patience from Instagram in that regard. Yeah. Um, but our patients who we have follow us. They get to know you better. That's right. And yeah. then, you know, like, and I think it's human nature. Everyone wants a nosy into someone's life, isn't it? Like yeah. we're all a little bit curious. So they want to know what you're doing on the weekend. They want to know what you like. And I think it just builds you up as a person that they can relate to a bit more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse uh, me. Yeah. In terms of um, patients that come to you that probably have never considered aesthetic treatments before at all, do you find that, coming through the dental pathway where they may have come to you for sort of, you know, you know, bruxism, for example, and then, you know, you might treat them with anti-wrinkle or toxin in their masseters and so on. And then they go, oh, you know, this sort of Botox stuff's not too bad. And, oh, okay, I'd never really thought about this before. It's interesting. I'm yeah. sort of curious as to, you know, do you find people that come through the dental pathway that perhaps would not have come into aesthetics in any other way, but because they've come via you and you've treated them for something that's function-related – that it then sort of leads them down, you know, sort of a U-turn and sort of looking down the aesthetics pathway as well. That's interesting. Yeah, you've, you've actually nailed it. Um, a lot of people will come and they'll just say, oh, you know, I really trust you and, you know, I'd love to get something done, but I see what's out there and I don't want to look like this and I don't want to look like that and I don't want my husband to know. <laughs> and, you know, I see you get nice results and then they think I trust you and I know that, you know, you're clean and you're educated. And actually, I think a lot of people, they say they know what you could, you would do, sorry, they know that you could help if something went wrong. Yes. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. So I think the established relationship helps. Yeah. And um, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. How, how do you do an aesthetic consult? I mean, obviously everything is different, but you know, do, do you ask some open questions? You know, why are you here today? Yeah. What can I do for you? Is it a bit like dentistry where it's you pretty know- much the same? Yeah. And then we you know, I think in my master's, I've really been trained to think differently about assessment. Um, so obviously, you know, you've got dividing the face into thirds or fifths vertically. Um, but um, we, we tend to, uh, the way I look at it now is you look at the surface, mm-hmm. volume and laxity and bring that in then with the dental plan and the extra oral plan, the, the TMJ, the submandibular area, head and neck, um, sternomastoid, all of those things. And um, then really take it from that point of view and um, then just 
and, and they are aware that I'm doing aesthetics. So it's usually patient driven, actually. Stupid question, perhaps. Well, maybe maybe it's not so stupid. Yeah. You know, would you treat people for aesthetic and um, sort of functional dental um, treatments at the same time? Or do you sort of try to, like, would you, you know, put a filling in someone and do their masseters at the same time? Or do you try and keep those treatments separate and give people sort of you know, some delineation between those two different approaches? I think it depends on the treatment and then the risk of doubling up on treatment. So, you know, if someone's numb and they have a filling and you've given them a block injection on the bottom, then you're not really going to get that feedback for their masseter hypertrophy. So I think they would be definitely separate. Um, I think, you know, there's so much evidence coming through now to suggest that oral bacteria um, can be linked to infections in dermal filler in mm. the mid-face, lower face, um, chin and jawline, that I think really we have to be prudent and do dental first. So it's always, for me, health first. It's always treating pathology, disease, get that right, and then the other stuff is the extra stuff. But, you know, I've read many, many articles and did a lot of research in my master's where, you know, they are saying that oral bacteria, like from a dead molar, has gone into an infection in um, the cheek. Um, we've got dermal filler, you know, granulomas or um, nodules. So I think um, dental disease needs to be treated. And I think that's even for aesthetics uh, injectors and practitioners who aren't, um, you know, in the dental arena, that perhaps that they may think about that. And yeah. even when we do lips, I've introduced a protocol where we do pre-mouth um, rinsing yeah. because that wet, dry border on the lip can be full of, you know, bacteria, especially if they've got gingivitis. So I think, you know, they, they again, it marries up, they're integrated, but treat disease first, get that healthy, and then do the aesthetic treatments after that. <clears throat> I'd love to get your dental sort of opinion on, yeah. on what you were saying about um, spacing apart dental procedures with fillers in yes. particular. So mine is, it's as evidence-based as it can be, but yes. I'm a little bit more conservative still. So I tell people to wait four weeks, mm -hmm. whereas some injectors, well, the other don't tell them anything. Mm -hmm. And most commonly they'll wait about two weeks. Yeah. So from a dentist's perspective, what, what's actually the risk? What What is happening to those bacteria in the mouth and, and what's the risk of it seeding the filler or the face? Yeah, so look, we have bacteria in your mouth that you need, you know, your commensal bacteria, but then you've got the bacteria that your body reaches a threshold for um, coping with mm -hmm. and then you have inflammation. So I think it's related to the formation of nodules and granulomas. Um, I think four weeks is good. Yeah. I think four weeks is a really good time frame. Um, it lets healing occur. And, um, you know, you can also have bacteria, like even when you go in and treat a tooth, you can actually have more bacteria spread at that appointment. Yeah, even because flossing, you're, right? That's right. So yeah. you're almost creating little microbacteremias. Yes. Even when you floss. But when you go in and you treat a tooth, I mean, you can release that bacteria and then it's going to take a little while. So I think I, I'm... I think a month is good. Yeah. Okay. And I think even just from a practical point of view, you know, patients being able to afford it and, yeah. and can't be bothered. Like they're just busy. And they want to be so, in the right mindset. That's right. You know, so I think it's good, good timing. Okay. Yep. Um, and uh, even with, you know, vaccinations and COVID and all of that. Yeah. Recently reading up about the evidence, they're saying, you know, ACE expert group, they're saying four weeks. Yeah. Okay. So I well, think it's good. What about for patients just going for a routine scale and polish? Because yep. again, you're going under the gum line, scraping all the plaque and 
translocating those bacteria. So even those minor procedures, you would wait? Well, look, it depends on what that bacterial load would be. Because, you, you know, know you? you might have great gums and you might not have much of uh, inflammation afterwards. Yeah. But someone who has bacteria under the gum and, you know, is actually a gingivitis where you've got inflammation will be more at risk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, clinical photography. Yes. It's, it's, a, it's a discussion that seems to happen over and over again. And despite, you know, all the rules and regulations and, you know, people getting very aware of like what post-editing can look like mm-hmm, and all the mm-hmm. different sort of apps now that make, you know, unrealistic results seem possible. Yeah. How do you approach clinical photography? Like what are your protocols? Because I'm assuming as a dentist, you've got access to all sorts of fancy stuff where, you, you know, you're taking x-rays of people and- yes. You know, so what, what's your setup like and, and sort of how do you choose which photos you're going to showcase and what are you looking for on that side of things? Um, so I'm really excited because I actually just started to use um, the Vectra HD, yep. which is the 3D um, photography mm-hmm. and imaging. So I think that's going to be amazing. Um, yeah, of course, we've got our x-rays for dental disease and um, just, you know, routine photography, you know, just intraoral and extraoral. And I think, you know, you need to do the standardized photography. So the five views, uh, frontal side views, lateral views um, done in the same light, same distance. Like they just need to be um, replicated. Like they need to be reproducible. For those people who don't understand what a vector is, tell us a bit about it and and should I buy one? (laughs) it's expensive. Yeah. It's a- <laughs> Talking about like the, ve- the Vector clinical yeah. imaging machine. Yeah, yeah. Right. So look, I have got it because I really think it's going to be a valuable asset um, to show patients um, the improvement in the results. Yeah. Because, you know, our eyes get used to what the new look is. Yeah. And then you think, oh, that didn't work or yeah. that's not great or I can't see any difference. And then we actually have an objective way of looking at that. Yes. Um, so I think that's going to be really wonderful. So it's just a 3D imaging. It's like you take a photograph and it shows you um, your face in a 3D way. You can see before and afters. Um, yeah, I just think it's going to be great. And the other thing that I've bought is ultrasound. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, we were just having that discussion this morning. Oh, yeah. So it's been an expensive month this which, month. Which uh, brand or one? Um, so you- the Clarius LD20. Okay. It's um, mm-hmm. It's um, distributed by Medistar here. Yeah, it seems to yeah. be the most common one. Yeah, that it's handheld and I think it's going to be suitable because it's more superficial. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be quite good, actually. I have to come and have a play before I invest yeah. and come around and yeah, yeah. you can, oh, we can scan my face. It's portable, so you yeah. know, we can just bring it. To, and um, I have a few radiologists in the family, so they can uh-huh. train me up Fantastic. until we can go across to the US and visit Stella and... Mm. See how we go with the training there. Yeah. But I think it's going to be brilliant. Yeah. So awesome. many wonderful advances. So I'm, I'm assuming um, ultrasounds for, you know, treating high risk areas, which you get an occlusion identifying that. Is that sort of yeah. what, what you're using it for? Yeah, well, I think even just pre treatment assessment. Yep. You know, so you don't end up having an emergency. Like, it's nothing is foolproof because we've got the human body. So we can see anatomy, you know, we can see textbooks, how things should be. But nothing's foolproof. So I think that pre-assessment mm-hmm. will be really good. And obviously, if you do have a complication, then I think just demonstrating due diligence that you're doing all the things you can. And um, yeah, it's it's interesting. The human body, I think it's going to be very cool to be able to see all those arteries and yeah. different planes and actually see where filler is. Like, you know, I've had filler injected years ago 
I lo- I'd love to see where it is and still there. Like we think it's gone in six months. Yeah. That mm. lasts for such a long time. So just from a, a nerdy scientific assessment, I think it'll be fun. I want to look at David's tear troughs. <laughs> see, where, see if his mulch is still probably. there. Probably. Wow. Probably. I, I had my tear troughs done probably 15 years ago. Goodness, and really? Well, you don't have any. I know. So I don't know. I don't know whether it's. I don't, I, I don't, obviously, weren't doing clinical photography back then, really, to yeah. be honest with you. It was yeah. just, yeah, a, that was no. not really the done yeah. thing, which is well, strange, right? But so I don't know even if I had tear troughs to begin with, but yes. I certainly don't have them now. And I haven't had any more treatment in that area in 15 yeah. years. So we've even seen your old photos. You look weird with hair. I don't know. I've never known you with hair. <laughs> So I can't imagine your face different. It's yeah. just yeah. weird. I don't know. Yeah. So I don't know whether it lasts forever or I just there don't break go. it down or I don't know. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Can I ask, um, dent, uh, do you get difficult dental, oh, you must do, but do you, do you get as many difficult dental patients as you might do with aesthetic patients? Yes. And do you do anything differently that maybe us injectors can learn from about how to cope or handle with these people? Um. Look, I get lots of complicated patients because I'm nice. <laughs> so I'm nice and I'm gentle and I'm kind and and then they, you know, their great aunt Gertrude, you know, <laughs> who's never been to the dentist because she's been terrified, comes and sees me. And then, you know, they're highly, highly strong and nervous. But I embrace all of that. I like it. Mm. I like taking someone who you know, has had so many preconceived ideas about their dentistry and changing that and then, you know, making it more pleasant for them. Yeah. So yeah, look, aesthetics, I think the issue is we have got to make our patients, you know, aware of the unrealistic expectations. Yeah. I think that's the number one thing. And, you know, they have so Instagram, social media is wonderful, but gosh, there's so much access to things and they seem to know everything, you know, think that one mil of this is going to be transformative. And when you show them on a spoon, you realize, oh no, it's not. Mm. So I think, um, yeah, I do get difficult patients and, and some patients you actually can not help. You can't. Agreed. You cannot help someone because many, many patients um, will come to you and they may have a pathology. Yeah. They may have a pathology that needs to be intercepted by psychiatry. And that's always on my radar, you know, like aesthetics, it throws you. I think when, uh, what's the statistics, like two to 5% of the population may have body dysmorphic disorder. But at that, some point at, in their life. At some point in their life. No, actually I'm getting it wrong. It's one to 3%. But in an aesthetic clinic, they present as three to five percent. Yeah, that's still a lot of people. That's a lot. It's so a that's ton. a high percentage. Five and hundred. Yeah, and that is a perceived flaw. So it may not be a flaw, and it's something that they are very preoccupied with. Yeah. So you know, I think the patient who comes and says, "Can you fix that line?" Or can you know, like someone who has an unrealistic expectation and potentially has a pathology. I think they're much, and and those are the hard conversations to have with someone, Yeah, you know, to say to someone, and and I actually would think, just put it on myself. Look, I actually feel that you need more care. I don't feel that I have the skills to help you. And I think that you may be better to see my colleague and we will 
get together and we will work towards achieving a goal that you will be satisfied with. And currently that may not be a treatment. Do, do you think you're more comfortable saying that because, you know, from a dentistry perspective, you routinely refer out? So it just becomes so. a normal I think professional so. conversation. Yeah. And I think maybe as I'm older and wiser, <laughs> you know, you realize that you do make your bed and you lie in it. Yeah. And yeah. so sometimes the best treatment that you can do for someone is no treatment. Yeah, 100% agree. Well, it's, it seems like this um, body dysmorphia issue is only going to get worse. Yes. The more photos that we Absolutely. take of ourselves, the more that we see ourselves on social media and we're comparing ourselves to other people, yeah. analysing our faces from a million different angles under different lighting conditions. And it's like I think that we've created or helped amplify these mm-hmm. natural human tendencies that we have to be self-critical because of how focused we are now and how much, how easy it is to capture images of yeah. ourselves. So it's sort of like we're perpetuating yeah. this issue. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what someone's idea of beauty or wellness is, is maybe different to another person's. But yeah, look, I think it's definitely going to become much more prevalent. Mm. Yeah, For sure. Absolutely. I don't think it's going away, to be honest. No. no. We are going into the metaverse yeah truly and we're all going to have avatars of ourselves. we're not even going to be real people anymore and then we're going to have augmented lives where we sit there with goggles on and we do sport or whatever it may be it's not going away it's going to get worse and i I think we joke about that but i actually think it's it is going to come yeah you know even yesterday i picked my kids up from school and you know as you sit at the gate there's not a child walking out of that school without a phone in their hand yeah Mm-hmm. You know, it's just on. So the, even their experience of the world is so skewed. Like when I grew up in my little country town, I had absolutely zero exposure to the world. Mm. You know, I just had my community and, you know, that that's all you knew. What town was that? And Kilkeel, which is a very small country fishing town in Northern Ireland. Right, right. You know, and and that your reality is based on, on, on like it is more of a reality, isn't it? Like it's what you see and what you do and what who you you're touch. surrounded with. Yes, what's real? And now, you know, like even I say to my kids and their teenage boys, I say, you know, what do you see on Instagram? Like it could be catfishing. You know, you just don't know. Like what is real? Yeah, yeah, it's true. And um, you know, it, it's just. We're programming people from a very early age how, sure. to, how to interact with the world, yep. what their views are. So it's like we've got access to more information than we've ever had before. But, yep. you know, is it right or is it wrong to create this augmented reality where, you know, people, when they step out of it, feel so confused and yep. confronted by real life That's right. um, that they become very disillusioned. You get, you know, increased levels of depression yep. and online bullying and just yep. the ability, like all our best and worst characteristics Absolutely. as human beings become amplified yep. through our phones and this technology to interact with millions of people with the click of a button instantly. Yep. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's, it's sort of like the double-edged sword. It is, truly. And, you know, you also, like, maybe perhaps this time that we're living in with COVID and lockdowns and you see, like, in my practice, I see a huge presentation 
of stress, anxiety, and depressive disorder related pain issues. And bruxism. And bruxism, big yeah. time. Like I've actually done my own little study, um, which I am going to present, but I have seen a huge increase in face pain, bruxism, tooth grinding, tooth damage. And and I think, you know, that will go hand in hand with the patients who present aesthetically. And I think, you know, we spent a long time in my master's program talking about the mental health impacts and the choice to treat or not to treat. And you really have to come back to, you know, is it going to be an internal motivator for that patient to have a good outcome or is it an external motivator yeah. for that patient? And once it's external, it's, you know, it's never going to be an optimal result. Couldn't agree more. Now, let's talk about the positives of Instagram. Yes. Yeah. Because you do it so well. <laughs> I have a very good team. Uh, they're behind me. They are in charge of well, I've, Instagram. I've always Believe wondered who's me. your cameraman or woman. Um, well, look, <laughs> currently my phone is broken, so I can't do any selfies. Um, sometimes my kids reluctantly, but look, the girls, my team, they're just amazing. Yeah. And so, they, they know, they know Instagram. They know how to do it. You know, like I'm like at this old fossil that I am. I have no idea. <laughs> Yeah. For people who haven't come across your account, what's your Instagram handle? Um, it's dr and then underscore Martina underscore Lavery. Okay. So you've embraced the reels uh, sort of uh, new. <laughs> Much to my family's despair, Jake. Yeah. The no, reels have been going for about a year now, right? Yeah. I think I it all sort of came about, you know, with lockdown, mm -hmm. really. Yeah. And my understanding is it's basically a ripoff of TikTok. Yep. Instagram's version so it's like a shortish 30 second maximum video yeah. where generally people are dancing or miming to audio from yeah. a film or a yeah. song or something. Yeah. So how do you, how do you do them? Like, yeah, how do you, do you plan them? Do you just do them off the cuff? Like what? You know. I'd love to say we plan them and, <laughs> <laughs> um, Usually we just do it and go with the flow and we see something that's trending and we think, oh, look, that could be applicable to our niche yes. and what we can do. And initially we did it, you know, to try to keep connection yeah. with our patients when we were in lockdown for those four months last year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the feedback was wonderful. People got a laugh. Um, can't take yourself too seriously. I'm very serious in my work, but mm -hmm. not as a person. I don't take myself too seriously. Yeah. Um, and it builds a bit of connection, a bit of fun. Um yeah, I think um, much to my family's embarrassment, they're not that keen. Um, I said, did yeah. you like it? No, I didn't like it. So I didn't like it. You should, still should like it. But yeah, look, the team are wonderful. Um, they're younger than me, so they get all of this technology. Um, but I think, you know, in used in a good way, yeah. um, it can, you know, build your rapport with people and... Um, they always, yeah. as I said before, they want to know a bit about you and your background. So yeah. it's useful in that way. Do you have a bloopers reel that we're going to see one day? So many. <laughs> <laughs> so many. Yeah. And um, how, how important is it is it to your business from like lead generation and sort of new patient acquisition? Like what role do you it's sort of, do you track? Really. No, not really? We do track it and mm -hmm. we do get new patients yep. coming through, but it certainly is not, you know, um, a source of of lots of patients coming through. Most yeah. of our patients coming through have been treated, been referred by a friend. Mm -hmm. Got lots of awesome Google reviews. Yeah, that's Very good. kind of patients. So yeah, I think Instagram is just a fun way to extend your profile and connect with people. Um, and for us, um, we may get a couple of patients, but it's not really our base of referrals. Yeah. Yeah. 
from a technical perspective, how, how yeah. do you do a reel? Dave, David definitely doesn't know, and I don't. Yeah. I know. I don't think are I've you done serious? One. Yeah. So you guys are sitting here with the setup, and you don't know how to do reels. Uh, I, I tell you, from me, I just if I go down that path, yeah, yeah, you'll you'll want I to do it more. I will not have any time to do anything. I know, it, and it just, is. It's just a time sucker, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So yeah. look, there. You just go on to Instagram. There's a button that you press reels. You can watch what other people do, and then it's like save the audio. You press that audio and then you do whatever, like your dance. So yesterday the girls were doing an Italian thing where you click your fingers and it was all of the things in a dental surgery. Like, so hundreds of disinfectants and your know, study models of teeth and just like niche related things. Yeah. And then you post it and you hope that, you know, yeah. people will view it and like it and comment. And you won't get too many trolls or people, you know, <laughs> reporting you. And <laughs> I think I've messed around with it once and it's very hard. Maybe you get into the groove to get the timing of, of what Look, the audio does and what your mouth it is, does. It is. And sometimes that can even be a glitch on the phone. <laughs> yeah. So look, I think the amount of effort we put in, the reward is probably not, you know, if you were going to do a KPI on your Instagram, yeah. <laughs> it's probably not going to do it. But yeah. we like doing it. It's fun. Yeah. And it, it actually connects us as a team as well, yeah. which I think is really important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of fringe benefits to, to doing those yeah, sorts definitely. of team exercises. But it, and, you know, from, from a business perspective, you know, like 20 years ago, if you wanted more patients, you'd put an ad in the newspaper. Yeah. Or maybe you'd put an ad on TV if you could afford it. Right. Yeah, yeah. But now you've got so many different ways someone can interact with your brand. It could yeah. be a social media post. It could be referral. They might have walked past your store. Maybe you did a Google ad somewhere. Yes. And so how do you really know there's like no silver bullet now for new business generation and, and, and advertising your business and promoting what you do? So it feels like you just got to do everything yes. because everything's connected and someone who may initially interact with you through one medium That's right. may see you and three yeah. or four others before they actually come to see you. So which, that, was, it, which, which, which was it that actually drove them exactly. there? Was it the ad or was yeah. it the fact they saw the ad, then walked past your yeah. store or your, your clinic rather, yeah. and then... You know, because they're already familiar, then they see you. Oh, they make yeah. the connection. So, yeah. it, it, like, who knows what, yeah. what what is it exactly that's driving people? Yeah. And we've had a few, you know, go. Oh, you know, and we'd say because we always ask, like, how did you hear about mm-hmm. us? We have it on our form, and you know, they say, oh, I've been following you for a while, and yeah. I've just decided to come. Yeah. You know, so that might be six months. Yep. Okay. So yeah, it, it's about building, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And and from a business perspective, what is your I don't know if you've done done the maths on this and, and worked it out. I'm assuming based on what you've told me about your personality, you probably have. Um, what is the percentage breakdown roughly between, you know, your aesthetic patients or aesthetic treatments? Because I'm yes. assuming you, you do, do a bit of both on a lot of people. Yes. What is the actual skew in terms of what percentage is aesthetic, what percentage is I sort of general dentistry? I would say we are probably about 60, 40, d- dentistry 60, 40%. So that's, that's a pretty aesthetics. huge aesthetic practice, yeah. really. Um. You know, and also, I don't know if you know, but we're actually uh, growing. So we're actually building a new practice. Ooh, whereabouts? In Balkan Hills. Okay. So back to where I used to, my first job. Um, so it's a beautiful, new, bespoke, luxe, mm-hmm. multidisciplinary practice. Yep. Yeah, so I'm very excited about that. Excellent. I'm excited and terrified because mm-hmm. I didn't really think that COVID was going to come back. Yeah. I thought, yeah. you know, once we got... Um, past the last lockdown, we we're going to be good. So, yeah. yeah. So I think, you know, it's going to grow mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what the future brings with that. Yeah, absolutely. What do you mean by multidisciplinary? 
Um, I mean, can I do a shout out and do yeah, this as a job course. ad? Go for it. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> I need aesthetic doctors. I need nurses. I need dermal therapists, dermal clinicians, practice managers, business developers. This is a shout out for the whole shebang. Job. Yeah, the whole shebang. Right. Okay. So yeah. Do we get so you heard me first. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. The right candidate, absolutely. <laughs> and so, like, so this is uh, purely to extend your cosmetic practice. Yeah, and dentistry. In dentistry. Yeah. Okay. And so dentistry. And dentists. We need dentists as well. Right. Okay. So this is. This is <laughs> I, I'm too busy. I can't do this anymore. Like right. I'm doing thirteen hour days. I can't do it. Thirteen hour days. Wow, yeah. That's, that's yeah. I can't do it. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, and then yeah, you yeah. got to go home and be yeah. a parent and a, yeah. Yeah. And a so wife. look, before yeah. Christmas, um, we had a kiss before Christmas actually. Mm-hmm. So I had an early Christmas break, right. and my husband said to me, you know, be careful what you wish for, because every day you say, oh, love, it, love a holiday, love a holiday, and then yeah, well, we got a forced holiday by yeah. having a kiss. <laughs> um, but you know, with lockdown, because I'm very much, uh, I've trained my patients, and the, mm-hmm. their expectation is that they don't walk out the door without making another appointment. Yep. Yeah. So that's just how we are. It's not yeah. just floating around. Yeah. You do your treatment, six months you come back. So already yeah. pre-booked six months ahead, yeah. fully booked. And then we have slots that right. are for treatment. So that's how our, how our business setup is. Um, so definitely a very much a preventative um, approach and a recall approach. Um, so and we do that for aesthetics as well. But, you know, with lockdown, we didn't have that. And then we had a huge backlog. So really from, when did lockdown finish? When did we get out of it? The 18th, October. 11th, 11th of October. Of October. Yeah. Like, is that date going to be etched in our brains forever? Forever. Um, from the 11th of October until like the 21st of December, I was working like 12, 13 odd days. Yeah. So that's not sustainable for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I love doing what I do. I really enjoy mm-hmm. my work and I want to continue to enjoy it. And, you know, there's still a a bit of time in my career that I can keep going. So I want for me, um, everything that I've been through has made me stronger. And I want to build a practice that I'm proud of, that's beautiful, that's welcoming, and just is a little bit different than the average dental practice. Because when when you're going to the dentist, you know what you're there for, right? Yeah. You don't have to have auditory, visual textual clues that say, oh my gosh, this smells like a dentist, looks like a dentist, I can hear that. Yeah. yeah. So um, we're trying to get away from that model. Yeah. I think that's happening in the aesthetics industry too. I think yeah. in general, I mean, especially when you're looking at clinics in sort of shopping centres and high street locations where you sort of have to give people, I think the, I think the idea, you know, maybe 10 years ago was we need to make this feel more medical to make people feel safe and that yeah. it's normal to come into these locations to have these treatments done. But yes. I think, you know, the the stigma that is associated with dentistry, mm. which is, you know, you know, cold, looks like, feels like a mini hospital, everything looks very scary, you know, everyone's dressed very clinically. And all Always those, in those weird tunics. Why do they wear those tunic yeah. things? But I, but no, I, you can't even see the tunics. It's so, so much the, PPE. I guess what I'm saying is by the time someone gets into your treatment <laughs> yeah. chair, yeah. they're already shitting themselves. Oh, yeah. they're, they're already, already like, triggered. Like, yeah, they're exactly. absolutely triggered and on edge. Yeah. So what we can do to, you know, scale that back. Yeah. Um, so without, without obviously being not medically compliant. That's right. Yeah, it, yeah, it's so trying it, to find that middle ground. So it's more like, you know, the... The tweaking of the environment. Yeah. So everything, you know, as dentistry, highly regulated. So you've got to be compliant with everything. Yeah. But, you know, you can do nice things. You can, yeah. you can smell nice. We yep. use massage. We use lots of oils. Yeah. And, um, you know, to massage, make people so relax. It's your head and neck. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, so yeah, nothing, feeling... No, nothing dodgy. No, there's no, 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 root, no, no root canals with a happy ending. No. <laughs> 
Oh, we'll just leave that uh, one we there. there. We'll leave it there. We'll chalk, we'll chalk off, you know. Yeah. Um, that one behind. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what else can I say after that? Um, yeah. Massaging. Um, and, and I very, very, very rarely ever refer someone to be sedated. Yeah, right. Because I think being able to conquer your fear and face your fear and do behavioral management mm-hmm. is actually much more beneficial to that patient, yeah. even in life. Oh, I agree. To be able to go, hey, you know what? I didn't like that, yep. but I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And I say that to my kids all the time. Yeah, You're just not going to like it, but you're still okay. Yeah, Get on with it. It's, you know, it's, it's like those patients who don't particularly like needles and, yeah, and, and it's always course. filler that they, they seem to have a mental problem with. Yeah, right. Whereas, you know, you do toxin yeah. and you might do 20, 25 jabs. Yes. And yet you might do one entry port for a, yeah. for a mid-face and suddenly it's a problem. Yeah. yeah. So it's a mental Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So you, you look give, at the P and get theory. Yes. So it, if you can give so your patient subjective. not just, uh, you know, to manage when they're with you, but yep. their whole life, blood tests and yeah. hospitals and anything yep. to do with pain, they're suddenly I agree. cope better. Like just change the behaviour and change the experience because obviously your past experience dictates the future. So if you can then build on that and then I, I just love when a patient comes through like after six months and they come in, they go, I wasn't even worried today. Yeah. Like that, that's the joy. That, yeah. That's the true gold in my life. I think yeah. in my practice. So we've got some sort of quick fire questions oh, that goodness. we like to, we like to wrap up every one of these injector episodes with, so we can get some consistency and, and start to like, I guess, you know, look at how people do things differently and, and what yeah. their preferences are. So UK, if we ask you a few questions, don't have to spend too long thinking about Go them. Okay. Yeah, so these have to be off the top of your head. Oh, gosh. Yeah, okay. No pressure. Wow. So what is your go-to toxin, your favorite? You only had to have one toxin in your cupboard. And which why? One is, and which one is it and why? Okay, well, I only really use Disport, okay. <laughs> so that's mine. Right. Um, I like it because the results are predictable yep. um, and quite natural and there's still a little bit of movement. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's why. Yep. A, a good results. Fair enough. Yeah. We'll take that. And yep. it's affordable. Yeah. Okay. Same question for dermal filler, which, and you know, yeah. any filler, but it's got to be one particular one. Yeah, I don't think I can live without ORH3. RH3. So, so toxin. So Love that, it. That's no, of, no, I feel like TSL. Oh, TSL. Yeah. TSL, yeah, yeah, sorry. So that's Love your it. workhorse. Love you can it. do a lot with it, can you? Love it. Because I do so much work around the perioral area. Okay. So I find it's really a nice consistency. It's dynamic. Lips move, so the filler should move. Yeah. Um, predictable, safe, no lumps. Um, okay. Yeah, I love it. I really love it. Awesome. Yeah, great. Patients love it too. Yeah. yeah. And who, who distributes uh, TSL? Toxin. It is toxin. Uh, toxin. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, toxin. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Can I ask you yours, Jake? Oh, come on. We Please? know the answer to that one, don't we? <laughs> Look, <laughs> what's changed my practice the most in the yeah. last five years has been Volux. Okay. But I'm not using that for every patient, yeah. obviously. If you had yeah. to say which one do I use the most, it would probably be Volift. Okay. Because oh, yeah. I can use that in the mid face, under eye, lip. Yeah. Lending, yeah. okay. subtle cheek, you know, yeah. that, a forehead. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So that would be my workhorse, but my favorite is Volux. Okay, cool. Okay. Um, 
What is your go-to cannula make and size? Or maybe you don't use cannula. Maybe you're a needle person only. Look, I do predominantly use needle, but I do use cannula as well. So the TSK Glide, yep. uh-huh. 25 millimeter, 30, 25 that, gauge, 38 millimeter. That's Dr. Sloan's favorite as well. well. I'm a 50 kind of guy, 50 millimeter. Right. But same brand, same yeah. thing. TSK. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Expensive as sin, like $100 a needle or but something. you know what? <laughs> I'd, I'd rather pay the money yeah, and have no problems. Yeah. I, I can't be, Agreed. I just cannot yeah. be bothered with like prices, substandard. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you just want to have the best and make the procedure smooth. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. This is the uh, the big gosh. controversial one. Oh. Aspirate or not aspirate? Yeah, it's just such a... Um, <laughs> you've done a master's. You must know more than most no, of us. But there isn't any evidence base for either. It depends what article you read. Yes, correct. And look, you know, it depends what hand's holding the needle. Depends how long you do it for. You know, um, I do aspirate. But do you aspirate on particular points or just as a routine or? Um, I probably, I, I don't usually do it for lips, but out of side of the lips, yes, I do. Hmm. I do. Okay. Yeah. Um, but is that just a fear driven thing that I do? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the evidence for either or is scant. Um, but yes, yeah. I do. But I would, I would love to see a little bit of data from like randomized control studies that would say yes do it or not yeah yeah there's interesting schools of thought on, on, yeah. on both sides and we've had yeah. some interesting chats with people yeah. like lee walker who's yep. got some interesting perspectives so yep. anyway um any special tools or adjunct devices you know little vibrating tools or squishy tools or anything like that you use to sort of deal with pain or distract your patients from stressful treatments um i think we use the little vibrator. What's the actual technical term for that? Vibrating thing. I call yeah, it a vi- vibrating thing. Vibrating thing. Yeah. thing. Okay, vibrating thing. No, there is a I name like to- for it. There is actually some name. I rarely use it, but I like to sort of joke and say, yeah. do you want to play with a vibrator? I know. <laughs> Ever the comedian. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he yeah, goes to work. I, um, just, I have, look, because I'm a dentist, I have a nurse with me, right? So yeah. dental, um, auxiliary. So, yeah. you know, they're there and they're doing the massaging and um, shoulder rubbing and tapping. We do some, you know, tapping on the hand and working yeah. with that one anxiety. Um, I think, you know, my new things are going to be my new toys, like my ultrasound yeah. and... Yeah. The Vectra. I think they're going to be cool. Um, and I think just using good quality instruments, paying a little bit extra, smallest gauge needles, you know, making it comfortable, mm-hmm. being gentle, yep, doing things the right way and just yep. keeping patients safe and happy. Do you use preserved saline with your toxin? Yes. Do you think Much it makes a difference? Oh, my comfortable. Oh, oh, look, I, I've never not, so I don't know. But um, I know from my own experience of having it years ago that the person was not using it <laughs> because it stung like... You know, it's stung so much. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And what um, needles do you like to use for your toxin? Um, you have a special one? The 31 gauge. Like a BD? No, not the BD one, the purple one. Yeah, I'm okay. trying to think. Yeah, I know. It's from Precise yeah. Medical. I'm yep. just, my brain has just okay. gone, but it's the purple one. Um, 30 units. Is it the FMS one? Yeah. Uh, F- yes. Yeah, that's okay. The one. So it's actually 32 gauge. 30, 32 gauge. It's even more comfortable yeah. than 31. Yeah. It's yeah. beautiful. Excellent. Yeah. Um, Biggest mistakes you've made, whether they be clinical, business-wise, you know, the ones you learned the biggest lessons from and how did they, I guess, alter your practice or the way that you do things? Just there's so many, aren't there? You know, you just learn so much as you go along and grow as a person and a practitioner. Um, I think probably the biggest life lesson is just not believing that everyone 
is happy for your success. Yeah. Okay. And that, you know, salt also looks like sugar sometimes. Ooh. Ooh. Like this that. is getting hardcore. philosophical. Yeah. Hardcore, hardcore yeah. man. Yeah. I like that. I like that. that that's, yeah. that's really but that, good. That would be my take. Yeah. Okay. And I think to anyone out there embarking on an aesthetics journey mm -hmm. is just support is invaluable. Yeah. Build a community. Build a community. Get a good mentor. Someone who's comfortable in their own shoes. Happy to see you shine. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and I think just never stop learning. Yeah. Yeah. And continue to be curious. Be curious about everything. Yeah. I think that that makes you, keeps you on your toes. Keeps you interested in your patients and interested in yourself. Yeah. We've got a long way to go. Yeah. You know, let's live a life that you're happy and proud of. Yeah. It's sad, isn't it, as human beings, when you look at the resources we have in, in the world yeah. and the amount of, like, there's enough for everybody. Absolutely. Um, but unfortunately, as humans, yeah. we want more than the person yeah. next to us. Absolutely. And, and that's what causes yeah. a lot of this conflict. It's, it's, yeah. Embrace competition. <laughs> yeah. Competition is healthy. It's not going away. It makes you better. When I, when I built my first practice, um, we were told in the complex that we would have exclusivity as a dentist. And then we had our practice on the corner next door cafe and the next door was a dentist. Yeah, right. <laughs> my husband set up his dental practice yeah, right. in the inner west. Across the street, three months later, it was a dental practice. Um, currently, I'm building a dental practice with two dentists on the other side. Wow. So that's a little bit ballsy for me. I'm not really usually like that, but I'm just <laughs> like, yeah, I'll give it a go. It's a beautiful location. So I thought, yeah, I'm going to give it a go, make it work for me. But competition is there. It's good. It keeps everyone accountable. And I think, don't you want to be better than you were yesterday? Like, don't be competitive with someone else. Be competitive with yourself. Mm, that's a good point. I think that's a fantastic point to end yeah. on. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for your insights. Thank it's been you. a real pleasure to, to have you, it. a real person in the studio. Oh, thanks for having me. That's I appreciate right. your and time so much. I, we were sort of joking off air. I think you're our first fan that has actually <laughs> come. <Stalker>. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and, and thank you again for the gifts. I think we, it um, all happened in lockdown, guys. Yeah. We were all lonely. We were reaching out. You yeah. know, we find these the funny guys with really good value. So oh, thank keep you. up the good work. And appreciate it. I thank hope you. you know that you have every success and grow yourselves. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Um, we will put all of your details and how people can get in touch with you and a little blurb about you and your practice yeah. when we release the podcast, which Fantastic. will be in a couple of weeks. Um, thank you so much for your time. Thank all the you. best for the new year. I mean, we're already in February. Jeez, that's gone quick, That's, huh? that's nuts. Yeah. Easter's almost here. I'm booking my next patients in for May. I'm I like, know. what? Well, hot cross bronze turned up on in my what kitchen the other day. I'm like, they what? Please let me get over Christmas and lockdown. And is that did you go for traditional ones or did you have to have like your own special? No, like, they were just traditional ones. Cinnamon or gluten free. No, these are just regular ones. So we'll see how we'll see how they go. But it's just like moving it. Uh, warp speed it is fair enough yep. well, thank you again thank you and take care for our latest news upcoming guests and episode topics follow us on Instagram at Inside Aesthetics Podcast using the link in our Instagram profile you can easily email us text us apply to be a guest on the show follow our personal accounts on Instagram and even show your love and support us on Patreon 